I went a little jazzy today. I went a little jazzy. I like it. Welcome to the Chug and Chat. We are your hosts, Mo. And Liz. Hello. Welcome to the second Hello. interview. Ooh, that was nice. Ooh, thank you. That was really sultry and nice. It's getting me somewhere. I like it. I really it's, like it. It's uh, late night with Liz. <laughs> <laughs> it's midnight Mo hour. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it was getting sexy up in here real quick. <laughs> Episode two, season two. Hello. Um, so today on the pod, we have a dear friend of mine from um, like like near zygote age. Um, <laughs> I love we that were, you use that now. Thank I know, you. it's my favorite. When you said that the first time, I was like, tell me everything about that. That is the like, hardest <laughs> I've laughed in forever. <laughs> I don't remember when you used it the first time. Do you remember oh, when I, you? I sure don't, because I use it all the time. <laughs> and it, But like, God, man, that first time, it'll never, that one will never get old for me. I totally loved it. Um, so my near zygote friend, we've been friends since we were like 12 years old, which is like infinity years um, when you're in your late 20s. And um, her name is Caitlin Acey. She is a burlesque performer in Chicago, Illinois, which is where Liz what, is what, from. What, 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 what? Um, and I was recently there to be able to chat with her um, about the book uh, Sex Object by Jessica Valenti. Jessica Valenti is like the most amaze ever. She's been um, a contributing writer in many different feminist blogs. She also started her own feminist blog um and has just written a zillion different things several books i think um by several i mean more than two because that's like way way more than i would ever write but she's an incredible journalist and incredible writer um and it's just really frank this book sex object if you have not read it yet you have got to get yourself a copy um back when liz and i started this this podcast um, and it's got a really cool cover oh it does the cover is so pretty it I, is i really it yeah is. and like the inside of the book is not pretty it's like really sad and like super real and like this like you just have a visceral reaction to all of it but Maybe they did that on purpose they're like let me probably. soothe you with the cover yeah like don't be scared read this but you're gonna hate it <laughs> slash love it because it's everything that's so true yeah um but when we started this podcast uh i got a text from caitlin and she was like have you read sex object and i said no and then two days later it arrived at my home and i gobbled it up in like two or three days because it's just it's such a good like intense read and uh i was able to talk to her about it so that's awesome she talks about her burlesque experience and how it relates to um you know kind of being seen as a sex object and just talks about like life in general and we kind of do it all through the lens of this book so read the book for shurzels for shurzels my nurzels and then i don't know i'm sorry it's sunday i'm tired <laughs> or it's monday i don't know what day is what it? day is it it's friday because that's when oh yeah it's friday there. yeah it's, it's friday friday <laughs> i'm in love <laughs> <laughs> wow you can tell it's friday we've had a long week several long like i feel like it's several just, long like, weeks this time, week yeah like but like seriously time has just been like what is time right now what is time? That is very true. So I'll lighten the mood for your um, very busy, busy schedule, your abundant schedule, um, with a little joke. Oh, yeah. What, okay. What do you call a letter from a feminist? A, a femme letter? <laughs> a, <laughs> uh, I don't know. No, let me, let me try this. All right, right. Like a, um, like a femigram? A femigram? No, I don't know. I like that. I do. 
I do. A soprano? <laughs> Graham? Yeah. Um, this is so stupid. It's hate mail, but mail like a guy. Oh. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> boom. Bada boom. Boom. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah. This is just a little, a little weird <laughs> feminist jokesy for you, in case you were interested. I really like that. I really like that. Thank you. That made me give a little chuckle. <laughs> a little Friday evening <laughs> chuckle. A little hee-hoo chuckle. Yes. So this is our second episode of our second season, and if you guys remember from last episode, um, we are doing a little bit of a different thing this season we've got two different types of episodes do you want to share what our tuesday episodes are Morgan? yeah so we have true confession tuesdays true confessions <laughs> um where we just sort of talk about like we're kind of flying by the seat of our pants on that one like we're talking about things that really mean a lot to us and kind of sharing our perspectives on things that we wouldn't necessarily normally talk about because while they relate directly to current events they're not necessarily like referencing something that happened like right now um they're sort of like ongoing themes for us or some of them are at least and then um on feminist Fridays, we're doing interviews with some just like really amazing women that we know we've been overwhelmed with like how incredible these interviews are and they're like oh unfolding God. i know right like they're we're they're so grateful. i'm having a lot of fun oh <laughs> you know, so much fun listening to them and doing them and yeah just, we have some amazing peeps in our lives i know you know and it's it's like this podcast and i know i like i'm I, I feel like i'm speaking for both of us in saying that this podcast has not only been like a guiding light for us in in educating ourselves and like reading different things and like trying to not just be like a white woman dick you know, like, do you know what I mean? Like, opening our a brains. Dick. A dick. Um, sorry, everyone. Sorry. <laughs> like, trying really hard to, to sorry, open our minds. How good of a dick that was. Like, that really, that really blew me away. Yeah? Did you like that? Did you like that? Ooh, that was, I don't know. Where wow. did I go just wow. now? I'm sorry. Okay. Where did I go? It's not Friday, you guys. Okay. Just, it's, it's not. Reeling it back in, you guys. Oh. Reeling it back in. Reeling um, back in. But it's also been a really amazing way for us to reunite, um, or at least, like, with women that we know are doing amazing things in our lives, but, like, we don't necessarily get the opportunity to just, like, call and chat about it. Yeah. Yeah, and, so. And drink some beers in the process. Or, yeah. You know, besties, like, come through, like, roll through for, like, a wedding you all have to go to or some event. And it's, like, you sort of start to have these conversations and passing over drinks. But it's just, like, I know, at least from my friends, that they're all craving more conversation and more opportunities to do exactly what we're doing with these types of conversations and interviews. So I'm just, I'm just thrilled. I'm Absolutely. just thrilled. Absolutely. I mean, I like, I haven't had an experience yet where I'm like, well, that was just all right. Like every time I'm like, this yeah, is like fucking <laughs> totally like, I mean, I guess that was a mediocre experience, you know, like it's just amazing. I'm having, and it's also like, it's encouraging me to reach out to people who I necessarily, like I wouldn't necessarily have reached out to. I would have just like watched from afar 
Yeah. Um, Laurel being one of them. If you guys haven't listened to last week's episode, uh, our interview with Laurel Butler, you have episode got to one. do that. Episode one. For Feminist Fridays, which yes. are our interview episode days. Yes. Like today. Yes. And yes. You, you've got to go do that. So if you like, if you're coming in late, like that's amazing. Like all of the wonderful thing about these two is they don't have to be listened to in any kind of order, right? Like you can listen to the one that just came out. You can go back and listen to ones. Um, that was you know, a true confession right there. <laughs> oh, true. True confession. We have I thought of a themes. new song. I thought of a new song. A totally original song. Do you oh want to hear it? Oh, 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 absolutely. Lay it on me right now. T-R-U-E-C-O-N-F-E-S-S-I-O-N-S. <laughs> true confessions. Um, Liz and Mo. Entire, true entirely, confessions. Entirely original. <laughs> Forever let us hold our convos high, high, high. <laughs> okay, anyway, I'm so sorry. Anyway. It's another one of those sing-songy kind of intros. I know you, you guys really want to just listen to this interview that we had. I know. <laughs> guys, we're going to start a second podcast called Liz and Morgan Unplugged. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Following Empathy in Trump's America, a 10-hour long di- dial tone and fire alarm. <laughs> Occasional uh, fire alarm. <laughs> oh, my God. So the other, I don't even remember what we were talking about, guys, but listen, I text, like, basically constantly, and we were texting something, yeah, was it yesterday? I don't know. It was, a, it was very recently, in the last couple of days, and she just sent me an emoticon of a phone. And then it was like four dots and then just another phone and another four dots. And I just like couldn't even, I couldn't stop laughing for She knows it's code for dial tone. I don't even have to make the sound or say anything. It's just, it's just how we're all feeling right now. Is anyone out there? Anyone? We just need to talk about this stuff with someone. Anyone. Please. God. Yes. Um, And go back and check out our blog. Check out our new posts and everything. And, uh. Yes, and one is posted this very day um, in honor of some Queens of the Week, which I won't totally spoiler spoiler alert because spoiler. we're asking all of our lovely people we're interviewing who their queen would be. So stay tuned for that in this interview. But um, we are also featuring some lovely ladies this week too, so check out the blog. Yeah, and subscribe. Get out there and like tell us what you want to hear. Um, tell us if there's something that's kind of rolling around in your mind. If you want to contribute to any of our true confession stories, or if you're like, I really want to hear your perspective on this thing, on this book. We, we want to hear from you. and We are so excited um, that we're back for a second season and, and feel like totally revitalized by the quick break that we got to take and kind of like get our shit together and think about the vision for this podcast. So we're just so happy to be back, you guys. It's so exciting. So freaking exciting. Now we're singing yeah. about it all the time. We're singing about it. <laughs> yeah. And that being said, perfect segue. Yeah. Let's let's bring Caitlin out. Let's bring her out. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yay. Yay. All right, it's happening. We're doing this. Yay. Okay. Um, hello. Hi. Hello. I'd like to welcome Caitlin AC to the pod. Hello. Um, I guess we should probably talk about like a little bit how we know each other first. Yeah. That's um, we've been friends since we were like infants. Not really though. We were like thirteen, 13 and, and fourteen. And fourteen. Um, but we've been friends. That that was when we were infants, though. That was the baby time. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we've been friends for forever. Um, we did a lot of theater together. Um. 
We, she was a bridesmaid at my wedding. I was. And, and I looked good. Yeah, she did. She looked Just really kidding. Good. Morgan looked better. I looked better, but I was supposed <laughs> to look better. Um, yeah. And um, she is a burlesque performer living in Chicago, which is where I am right now. And it's raining like hell. Yeah, it's awful. It's raining. So this was like the perfect thing to do tonight. Mm-hmm. We're like curled up with our champs, drinking some fizzy champs. And hanging out with her kitty, Chooch. So if you hear meowser noises, it's Chooch. If it sounds like a small child is crying in the background, that's because a small child is <laughs> crying, crying in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and so today we're going to talk about a couple of different things. We're going to first dive into um, Sex Object, the memoir, memoir by Jessica Valenti. Um, Kato sent me, I call her Kato, by the way. Yes, Kato and Kaylin. Yeah, that's the same person. Um, so when I started this podcast, she sent me a text that was like, have you read this book? And I said, no, I have not. And so lo and behold, like a week later, it arrives at my home, which was very nice. Um, and so I read it and it seemed like an obvious thing to kind of talk about. It's a really, um, striking memoir. It's very brutally honest. It's, um, it's amazing. It's a very Sorry, I thought you were, like, you said those words, and I was like, I think that's a quote from the back of the book. Oh. And I realized it's just because it's... Is it? I thought it was, but no. I thought it was Cecile, Cecile Richards' quote. Oh, it would have been cool if I actually I know, I was used like, the same words. Oh, man, are you Cecile Richards? Um, a little. I'm just kidding. Are you kidding me? She's like, queen, queen status. I mean. So, I mean, I've got a couple of things that, like, I really want... Um, there's some core themes to me that I want to talk about, and then I kind of want to see what you, what you think. There's a couple Mm -hmm. of, of quotes that I wrote down, um, that I just, like, when I read them, it was like, holy shit, all right, I need a minute. Yeah, Um, let's talk about it. So, so yeah, I mean, the first one, and and a lot, most of these are toward the end of the book. Like, I was just sort of soaking in her story for the first, like, half of the book. Same, yeah, same. Um, but so... One that I think is really interesting and something that that we're talking about all the time and, like, what this podcast is really about Mm -hmm. is um, you perform your strength, your sense of humor, your personality so that it is palatable, easily consumed in small, sweet, bite-sized pieces. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that struck me very much as something, like... I mean, I, I think that that's something that we all do, right? Yeah. So we, we sort of figure out how to scale back our personality um, to be more, to fit in better, to be, I don't know, what, what do you think of that? To be more demure, um, to be more, yeah, like palatable is the word that kind of struck me. Um, if we get a little, like, literary analysis with it, it's like palatable. And um, just this idea that, like, we we have no room and there's no space for us. Mm -hmm. And because there's no space for us, what do we have to do in order to fit the square peg in the round hole? Yeah. You know? And, um, I, I mean, we've all done this just like I, there have been times where, you know, like people have dated or like gone on dates with where I'm like, I am so afraid to show you what a, like, bombastic, ridiculous personality yeah. type I am. Yeah. In juxtaposed with the like I just want to hide in my house personality type I am yeah. also. Mm-hmm. That like I I feel like every time I meet someone new or I'm interested in someone new, I I have to kind of shut that part of my personality down because I'm so I think it, I think a lot of it has to do with acceptance and a lot of it has to do with um relatability mm-hmm. because like you know, no one wants to live in a vacuum and, yeah. you know, 
live in isolation and all of this. So I think it's like a lot about um, we we as women and as femme people or identified people, then um, we are kind of forced to, we can't take up space. Yeah. And that idea of bite-sized, like yeah. you're not allowed to take up space. Yeah. Whether that be your personality, your body, your um, your being, your spirituality, mm-hmm. your your job. Yeah. You know, you're not allowed to take up space. So this leads me kind of to my next question. You yeah. actually like built a perfect segue bridge for me. Um, talk a little bit about what it is that you do mm-hmm. and how then that plays into, I mean, because what you do is sort of the exact opposite of that, right? Like it's, it's giving a space for the female body to mm-hmm. take up space. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, um, I've been doing burlesque for about, uh, five or six years, six years. Oh my God. Has it really been It'll that It'll be long? six years in November. Wow. And I've been doing it. Um, I started in London, um, doing, I, I did it as kind of, um, a, uh, uh, so I was studying abroad in London and one part of the requirement of studying abroad was that we do a community placement program, which uh-huh. meant you volunteer for something, you get involved with a group or some kind of, you know, something sure. in order for you to become fully immersed in London culture because London culture is incredible. Um, so I ended up taking a class with the Cheek of It Burlesque School. Um, which, hi, Lady Cheek. Hi, <laughs> the Cheekettes. I'm sending this to you. Bye. <laughs> um, so I ended up taking their, like, their group class, which I think was called their Showtime um, course. And it was six women total. We were taught by Lady Cheek and um, this wonderful performer, Voodoo Fury. Um, and I got to meet just incredible people doing that. This is completely, like, a, a very roundabout way of answering this question, but I think it's really important. Um, I met a wonderful photographer named Tiggs Rice, who um, does a lot of work with boudoir and pinup. That sounds and, familiar. Yeah, she's on my Instagram. Oh, okay. Um, I'm sure that's she's where I've seen her. fabulous. Hi, Tiggs. And um, she's this wonderful photographer who just has a really great eye for um, the female form and all the curves and swerves. And, um, <laughs> I like that curves and curves swerves. Curves and swerves. Like that's, that. a li- that's a Latrice Royale reference. But um, she, so uh, I got to meet all these people who are, who are very incredible. And one of, the, one of the things that resonated a whole lot with me with working with Lady Cheek, who is the headmistress there, um, was she, I mean, I'm going to butcher the way that she said this because she was so eloquent and I am not. And <laughs> she was like, I don't know, I think you're doing just fine. I don't know, I, maybe. Think, you, I think you sound just fine. <laughs> Um, she said, I want you to shimmy and whatever moves is perfect. Oh, I love mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Like oh, whatever so moves is perfect. And it was this idea of like walking around, like you have the biggest, most gorgeous breasts ever and walking around, like you have the biggest, most gorgeous butt ever. And having this, this sense of like owning that true female form. So I started off there. That's just like a little sidebar. What a beautiful beginning, though. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. what a great jumping yeah. off point. Our, our debut show was at Madame Jojo's in Soho, which is a, an historic cabaret space that actually has since closed. Oh, bar. But it had been around for years and years and years. And when I moved here, I dove in and I worked for a few companies and I kind of hit my stride, I think. Um, and because, because I'm both an actor and a burlesque dancer, I haven't been able to kind of like throw myself into one or the other of right. them as much as I maybe would like. Mm-hmm. Um, because Lord knows if Beyonce has 24 hours in a day, so do I, so yeah. you might as well, right? <laughs> 
Um, but I, I really kind of found a niche in um, nerd burlesque or nerdlesque. Um, oh my which, god, tell me exactly what that is. That sounds, that's amazing. It's great. So I work with a company called Plan 9 Burlesque, um, and we do nerd-themed cabarets. And that <laughs> doesn't necessarily mean, like, comic books. Right. right. Like, we had... Uh, uh, our producer, Stella, is really intelligent when it comes to coming up with themes. And I know that other people have also contributed to themes, so if I'm not crediting you, I'm very sorry, but I know what I know. So... Um, We've had, like, the British are coming, British Invasion so Night. We've fun. had um, a literary night. We've had an historical night. We've had a Greek mythology night. So We've it's had, like fanfic. It's like the universe like, academia. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. you know, those things that kind of just, like, light you up a little bit when you talk about them. And if that kind of... I, I that, And that could be anything. Like, it doesn't have to be, oh, I'm a huge Star Trek fan. Right. It could be, like... Oh, you know what I really love? I love to read turn of the century literary works. I only want to like, read Anna Karenina. Exactly. <laughs> like if Anna Karenina gets your panties wet, you go ahead or, on, girl. Or Ayn Rand. Or well, no, uh, nobody wants. One. Nobody says that. Somebody no. does. Somebody out there says that. I hope not. Um, <laughs> I know somebody does. Or like, that. yeah. I mean, even so far as like people who are like super into craft beer, you know, like yeah. there are different. I yeah, think that. Like, the, the nerd aspect of it, like, people, you know, growing up, it's like, you were so stigmatized and so, like, marginalized as someone who's a nerd, and now it's, like, the big popular thing, because all of these superhero movies have come out, and all of mm-hmm. these things have come out, and I kind of, like, I kind of stood there stamping my feet, like, we were here first, and you guys are taking our thing, but it's like, you know what, that's the great thing about, um, about nerd culture, I call it nerd culture, but like that's the great thing about it is it's it is inclusive. It's all encompassing. It's you know, um, it and and truly like my huge fandoms or universes that I exist in are like I, they're not going to be the same as someone else's, right? Like, you know, so that's a really interesting thing. So Plan Nine does a lot of shows in which we can be very artistic and very expressive, and I've seen anything from. MacGyver to Hulk to video games to you know I just did a Joan of Arc number like you can really just the whole spectrum. What have been some of your favorites? Of numbers that I've come up with? Yeah. Um, uh, For nerd stuff? (laughs) Or like just in general but yeah I mean nerd stuff would be fun because people then people can can yeah yeah so for the nerdy things I've come up with um, I do a, a Sherlock Holmes number um, in reference to the new TV show with Benedict Cumberbatch, in which I come in in a like a Sherlockian coat and a deerstalker hat, and oh, then I as I strip off, I become Irene Adler, who is the woman. <gasps> Fun! Yeah. So um, I end it with you know she's so in love with him, and I actually did it to a David Bowie song. I did it to I'm Afraid of Americans. Oh, I love it. Which is a deep cut because if you watch that episode, she's afraid of the Americans mm-hmm. and she's a Brit, and it was just it's fun. So um, I like that one. I have a Breaking Bad number that's in in homage. To I was going to say if you, if you didn't bring that up, I was going to bring it up. I know. And like when I saw it, I was like, shut your mouth, yeah. Walter White. I did a Walter White number, um, and a lot of people. Um, there are a lot of Breaky Bad numbers out there in the world, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of them are kind of from uh, a perspective of like being in a yellow hazmat suit and like being uh, Walter White season three. Right? There are there five seasons? There's five. Oh, God, I have no idea. I think I'm five. the wrong person to ask. I didn't so really like, jump on that. Yeah, train. season three when he's like cooking in the big lab, and I was like, you know what? Like that's cool, but I want to do something different. So I ended up doing Walter White pilot, and I've got like a um, gas mask and a uh, lab 
apron, one of those vinyl lab aprons, and I've got like a green button down and tidy whities <laughs> And I have these shoes. Oh my God, I was like so embarrassed, but also so excited. I have these shoes that look exactly like his weird wedges that they put him in. <laughs> They're like these janky pair of Toms that I was like, I look like Walter White in these. So I strip out of that. And then as I strip, I like become the blue meth. Like I have blue everywhere. I have blue lips and blue rhinestones everywhere. Oh, I love it. Um, and then I have a Heisenberg hat. So I put on Ooh. Um, that one was a really fun one. I really love the Joan of Arc number that I just recently developed. Um, that was supposed to be a fire eating number. Um, but with filming, I didn't want to burn off an eyebrow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, I ended up using the idea being that, uh, Joan of Arc has already been burned at the stake. So my dress is singed oh, and cool. covered in ashes. And, um, as I strip, I become a dragon. <laughs> um, and I've got this activated charcoal powder that I'm smearing everywhere. And I like put it in my mouth and like do cool. a big dust cloud. So I'm waiting for the photos from that. Cause I think it's really going to be really cool. But I, I try to think, um, outside of, because my nerd dumps are not like, I don't want to say typical, but like uh, that are not some of the most popular. Like I'm a huge Harry Potter fan. I'm wearing a Harry Potter shirt right now. And pants. I'm wearing Harry Potter. Well, you are. Pants. You're wearing Harry Potter everything. I am Harry and Potter. And your Wi-Fi network is called the Chamber of Secrets. Okay. So I'm, I have a big fandom there. Um, <laughs> I'm a big Star Wars fan. I'm, but like, I'm not a, I'm not a big comic book fan. I like ind independent comic books, but I'm not like a DC or Marvel yeah. person. Um, so my fandoms are, I kind of, the things that I attach to and I'm very like excited about, I, are sometimes a deep cut or like sometimes a little bit niche mm -hmm. but I like I try to make it as approachable and fun as possible and like I like the um almost anachronistic approach of like using a song that you would never think to use for like a classic number and have it be really weird yeah and, um I don't know I try to think I'm as creative as I sound but maybe I'm not I like it I mean yeah. I like it and so I mean this kind of leads me to my next mm -hmm. question as well it's and you, you've alluded to this a little bit, but yeah. I, but I, I wanna, I wanna ask you. So, how has burlesque developed your um, definition of feminism and oh, inclusivity? Yeah. Oh my God! Like, uh, talk about one of the most inclusive environments. Um, you're backstage, and you're with any body type imaginable. You're with any gender imaginable. You're with any skin color imaginable. And you're all here for one purpose, and that is to, like, entertain and empower mm -hmm. and, you know, bring a little levity to the fucking shithole that we live in The dumpster right now. fire. The, yeah. the raging dumpster fire that we are currently sitting in. Um, and just in my experience, you know, I went into burlesque thinking, oh, I'm an open-minded person. I'm a liberal person. I'm, you know, I've got, I've got those, I've got things about me that are maybe not as as normal, quote unquote, right. as the heteronormative world. And I went in and I was like, I know nothing. I know nothing. That's and awesome. it was the ability to learn, you know, I'm meeting people who their day jobs are, they're doms, you know, they're dominatrices mm -hmm. and they work in dungeons or people whose day jobs are, they work a nine to five and they love that nine to five. And it like pays for all of their glorious fucking costumes. And I've met people who are in, monogamous relationships and poly relationships and queer relationships and all these different ways of seeing the world. And, um, but you're coming together for that common purpose of performing. Yeah. Even if you're, I mean, you're all performing different acts, right? But you're yeah. performing for the same. And all of your acts are coming from a different lens. Uh -huh. And it's really cool to watch a performer who doesn't exist in the world that in the world, the way you exist, right. you know, that is someone that you are, you, you are, this is a foreign territory when you meet them 
and you watch their numbers and you're like, oh my God, like it's an insight into their world mm -hmm. and into their like... Well, and you feel like, of course. Yeah, and yeah. then you're like, of course. And you, yeah. and the whole point is like, cheer and scream and and support this person in their in that journey. And I, I try to avoid um, using burlesque as any kind of therapy. Right. Like it has done a lot for me. But I, I try not to use it to as a means of like working out any of my inner oh, that's shit. Interesting. Because I think that, that that can go two different ways. And for me, it's just not something that I can, you know, I'd rather work my shit out off stage right. and then bring something creative from whatever. That I'm, feeds your creative beast. Yeah, yeah, instead yeah. Instead of, yeah. yeah. And sorry, yeah. I oh. scratched you. Um, and, and I mean, burlesque can be a really, um, a really vulnerable mm -hmm. place. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you do as a performer, because um, that, that was what I did my undergraduate thesis on. Yeah, was, yeah. was about protecting yourself on stage and what that moment looks like. Yeah. And how you are letting your guard down enough to be, um, you know, sort of devoured by the audience in the way that you're meant to be, which mm -hmm. is a sexual object, which mm -hmm. is, which is something that's there for your inner for their entertainment even right. more than being a sexual object sometimes. Yes, exactly. Um, and how do you then, you know, separate yourself? And still maintain that level of um, that level of presence that you want to have, mm -hmm. and also mm -hmm. that level of like feminist empowerment. Yeah. Without you know making anything like without you going away feeling as if something's been taken from you. Yeah. It's kind of difficult to explain. No, no, I but totally get what you're saying. Yeah. And I think your company, the so we just saw her show last night. It's very exciting. I keep looking at the computer that we're recording on like like it's a person, and yeah. that's hilarious to me. You're so beautiful. You are. Cool. All of you listening, you're beautiful. Yes. Um, But uh, your company does that really well. Mm -hmm. It was very, like, it, it in no way... I think it presented itself exactly like the message that it was trying to, yeah. to you know... I, there was no there was no single act that was like oh that didn't make sense or like that was out of place right. or like that I that made me feel like it got too close to me or right. you yeah. know yeah anyway yeah. no I agree I agree and that's like you know the wonderful thing about burlesque is like if if it's done well and done right it should be like the highest form of self expression mm -hmm. so it should tap it it should relate to you in a nice way or nice way nice is a fucking dumb word well whatever but like and it really I get it though but like it should tap into that. It, it is it is a means of holding the mirror up to nature you Ooh, know I like that that's, yeah. that's really what it is it's like um, it, it's satire it's parody it's poking fun at this this patriarchy and hierarchy that exists in our our society our society as Americans our society as a as a world population yeah so it's 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 been fascinating really it really has so yeah. This brings me, I want to, I want to talk about this next quote. Um, and the, the context of this quote is talking about what happens when you start to reap actual success from the feminist movement, whether it's, right. um, monetary success or financial success, mm -hmm. whether it's uh, personal, emotional, what, whatever that is. And this quote is, um, again, this is from sex object by Jessica Valenti. It's succeeding as a feminist meant that you had failed profoundly as someone who cares about other women. And I oh. wanted to talk a little, that when I read that, I just, it like, I mean, it just really, it yeah. completely stopped me in my tracks mm -hmm. because I, I did, I wanted your perspective on, on what you think that means. Because to me, it's like, you know, it's mm -hmm. a lot like being the garage band 
that finally gets discovered and everybody calls a sellout. Right. Like, it's kind of that same thing. Yeah, and especially in out of context of, of the chapter in which that quote is, um, it it does feel that way. It does feel like, oh, you, you sold out, which means you're not, you're not about music anymore. You're about, right. It's not about the band anymore. It's about your paycheck. Right. Exactly. And like, yeah, I think that there is an element of that, but like, I don't think that Dita Von Tease is any less of a feminist or an advocate for women than I am. Mm -hmm. I don't think that Emma Watson is a shitty feminist. Right. She's sitting there and she's fighting the fight. And she's, she's a great fucking feminist. She's a great fucking feminist. And like, she's like, yeah, and here are my boobs. It's like, yeah, who the, I'm sorry. Great. That's awesome. My body is not anybody's battleground, nor is anybody else's body my battleground. Mm -hmm. And that is something I had to learn in burlesque is like, we grow up with this idea of like, you know, we're walking down the hallways in high school and being like, oh, did you see so-and-so? Oh my God, she got so fat. And oh my God, that haircut is so awful. And oh, did you see she's dating so-and-so? And like, you have to break yourself of that. And yeah. like, maybe that just comes with maturity and becoming a better adult human being. But like, I really had to break myself of like being shady towards other people mm -hmm. because they don't look like me or I don't look like them or like, you know, like it, and I found myself doing it and I was like, this is disgusting. Yeah. This is disgusting. Not being on stage is disgusting. Like, right. This, my attitude right now is disgusting. There's no place for me to ever criticize someone else's body on stage. That is so wrong. And I had to, and so like I was on, I was one of those people who would need to have that, that gap bridged. Right. And I ended up through like meeting these people and performing with these people and learning these things, I started bridging that gap for myself. And like, granted we all get, sh or, you know, we can all be shitty and yeah. like, I'm not saying that I'm a perfect person now, but I'm saying that like it took doing burlesque for years now to realize that like you, you really have to like squash that voice in you. That's your mean girl voice. That's yeah. just like, that's stemming from a place of either insecurity in yourself so you need to lash out at other people or, you know, a, a institutionalized insecurity that we get from being a part of this patriarchal system. Mm -hmm. So learning to, learning to view everybody's body as beautiful and capable and wonderful has been a journey that I'm still on, you know? Yeah. And it's really exciting. And I think we're all, you know, on that journey. And I think the first part too, and, and which in anything in this journey, which is like, becoming more aware of your own privilege, which is yeah, becoming more yes. aware of what, what feminism means to you, what it means to others, how it can be, how you can be more inclusive in your own life mm -hmm. is first admitting that you were incorrect. Yeah. And I think that's the hardest part, right? Like that's the most difficult part of starting this journey and, and learning what you don't know because mm -hmm. you, I mean, I, I don't know what I don't know. I don't even know what I don't know. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, in order to seek out some of those things, I have to admit that I don't know what the fuck I'm doing and that mm -hmm. I've been wrong. Yeah. Um, and that I say the wrong things sometimes. Yes. Um, and that I have historically been a person who's been like, ew, eh. like I've been a super judgmental, awful person. Yeah. Um, and I think that's part of the way that you and I grew up. Like we grew up in a very privileged high school and middle school environment. We did. Um, and so the people that we were around were, they were, learning that from home right like some of them were learning that from their parents some mm -hmm. of them were learning that just from each other and it was that environment like we literally grew up in mean girls yep and that was something that um when i saw that movie it was like okay like i can't i didn't like it the first like four times i saw it because right. it was like it was too real as an adult watching that film that's when i was like oh <laughs> yeah 
oh, no. <laughs> oh it's yeah. so true. Yeah. But I think that's really, and I think burlesque is really something that that challenges people mm -hmm. to do that because yeah. you're you you don't seek people out to to perform for them. No, they come to you. Yeah, so they come to you not necessarily knowing what to expect, or they come exactly. to you to have a good time. Yeah. They, so you already have this audience that's in a really great frame of mind to be taught something. Yeah, um, yeah for the most part, yes. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there are people all the time. Like, there's always, like, that one person. There's always just somebody who's just, like, a total asshole. And you're mm -hmm. like, just no. Go away. Like, you're never going to be any different. Yep. You, you are that play. person. You're Yeah, you don't get to play. Exactly. You're not invited anymore. But, but I think that that's, that's a really unique thing that your, like, performance lifestyle has allowed you to have, yeah. right? Like, yeah. it's a really, it's a cool, it's different than, like, having this conversation right now. And, mm -hmm. You know, it's... It's people coming to see what you're about, and then yeah. you get to show them. Yeah, which is just cool. Yeah, it's really really cool. It is cool. It is cool. It's a it's a really neat way because it's like, yeah, it's the hustle because you hustle to get gigs and you meet. Well, sure. And you do that. Yeah, but it's not the hustle in that you're hustling to put your work out there. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like if you book the shows, the work will be seen. Mm -hmm. You know, like God willing, if the ticketing goes well. But like, yeah, you're like you said, like people are are looking to see this. They are seeking this spectacle out. Yeah. Oh, which I actually. Wanna go? You're just, you're just being, I'm doing all this. You're smart. just being all the things for me right so now. So smart. I don't know if you know this, but being smart. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on, I'm really organized. I promise. It's okay. Uh, I drink this champagne. Maybe I didn't actually write it down in the front of my book. It might be like in where it is. But what they're one of the main themes. Um, do you want to flip and find it? Is you might be. I will. Well, you're so many I, uh... Entertain the people. What will, what should I say? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, um, while you're doing that, I'm going to let you do that, so don't let me sidetrack you, but, um, one of the things that I think is really interesting that we talked about, um, are the zoning laws in terms of the levels of nudity that are allowed for different burlesque. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, talk about so, that. So, while you're doing that, I'm going to talk about this. So, um, certain cities allow for a certain level of nudity um, when it comes to onstage performance. If you're in a theater space in the city of Chicago, you are allowed complete full frontal nudity. Um, I believe full frontal. I might have been wrong on that. But if any place sells alcohol of any kind, it's got to be, nipples have got to be covered, genitals have got to be covered. There are certain places in Tennessee, I believe, yeah, like Nashville, that um, you can't show the top of you can only show the top of your butt crack. You can't show anything past that. So if you're if you're like just wearing a front, that's like not cute. Yeah, you only. I mean, get, it's cute, but you, you only get I mean. the like, top butt. Um, and you um, some places like in Albuquerque, you can't do pasties yeah. unless you're in a strip club. Yep. You can only do bras. Um, so it's just really interesting to think about like the level of how of how much of the female form is is allowed. The difference between men being required to wear pasties versus women being required to wear pasties. Yeah. I have met, and, and I'm speaking in the binary, so um, that's to say that third-gendered people, it, it's different here because it's a it's a larger city. There's a lot more conversation about third-gendered, gender-fluid, right. trans people. Um, but speaking in terms of the binary, there is this difference between women showing their nipples and men showing their nipples. And there always has been, right? Like, you can see a shirtless, Yeah, you know, it's the male nipple movement. But yeah. it also pertains to burlesque, because men are not required to wear pasties all the time. There are some companies that say, if you're going to perform with us, you need to wear pasties. But, you know, it's just really interesting. That is, and, and, and to think about, like, what cultural impact that is. Yeah. Like, 
it, it would be really interesting. And of course, like, I wish I had been prepared. I'm not prepared. I'm sorry. But it would have been, it would be really cool to look at like, what does Mississippi allow? What are the more conservative states? And like outside of a strip club. Right. Yeah. yeah. What do the more conservative mm-hmm. states allow on that? Because yeah. is it, it's one of those things that like, and there's, and there's that stigma that's attached, attached to, mm-hmm. um, to being a performer in a strip club. And yeah. it's like, so, so are the women's body, the female form is allowed to be like, unapologetically itself in a place where people are paying for it and you know in in a place that could potentially be that culture as a whole sees you know as a demeaning thing instead but when it comes to positive female self-expression it may be regulated a little bit more right which i'm certainly not saying that being a a, a, like an exotic dancer or an adult entertainer would be um in any way not an empowerment thing i think for certain people if you don't choose that life and you and you are you are you have to by one means or another or you're forced to yeah um i think that you know i'm sure i think i think that certain people step into that that aren't prepared for that and it ends up not being a good experience for them um Whereas I'm not so sure that that happens as much in burlesque. It's a, I, as far as I know, I mean, like, burlesque, I feel like, is an active choice. Like, yeah. the amount of money that we spend on our costumes. Well, right. And you, on all the little sequins and, and you all also, the little rhinestones. You like, also, like, it, the it's not as lucrative. It's as not. It and, like, an adult you know, there are, some, there are some people who are you know, incredible performers, and they're oh, very sure. fortunate that that is what they do. I've got, you know, Eva Lafiva is a great example of someone who is an incredible performer that has, her. has decided to do this full time. Eva's incredible. And, um, but I don't know. I digress. I'm sorry, but, um, no, that's a really interesting thing to bring but up. But Here's an interesting thing to bring up as a parallel is there's this idea of like burlesque, you must cover your nipples mm-hmm. and you have to cover your genitals. And then in, uh, strip clubs, it, it depends on the strip clubs. So it could be anything from, Nipple exposure to full nudity. It yeah. depends on the review. Like in New Mexico, if they serve hard alcohol, you, you can't, can't be do fully it. nude. Exactly, yeah. and it depends on the liquor license and things like that. And a lot of ways, I want to think that's to keep the performers safe, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but uh, the the last thing I was thinking of is, like, I'm part of an art modeling group, and I've been doing art modeling just as long as I've been doing burlesque. And yeah. art modeling, typically speaking, if it's figure drawing, is, is fully nude. So you're fully naked in a room full of people who have paid five dollars to get in yeah. with a door that closes halfway, right? Yeah. And um, or like with a door to the street, potentially. I mean, you know, depending, depending on, where you, on where you are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there, um, I remember thinking, you know, you're talking about stripping and how it's like this full, fully exposed sexual kind of thing, and it's like I've done Kama Sutra modeling joint modeling sessions with another model where we're in full blown sexual positions, completely nude. For artists. Yeah. And how different that is from burlesque, from stripping, from escort services, from any other kind of sex work. So. Yeah. Oh, right. Like, I, I, like I, I don't even have anything to say about that. Right. Like I've got to think on that. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really, it's really crazy. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Just, oh, and I think that's very much, myself. like, all of that is really on the main themes of this book. Like, yep. I really think. Agreed. Um, you know, the, the sort of last thing that I think is really important to mention about this memoir, um, other than the fact that, like, just fucking read it. You have to read it. You'll read it in, like, two days. You can, first of all, you cannot put it down. Put it down. You and can't, I suck at reading. Like, I'm such a slow reader. It's like, and it's an easy read in that, that you're just, you're just, you, you're it. 
Yeah, you you start it, you're in. She has a wonderful, um, very strong, powerful, creative mm-hmm. voice. Mm-hmm. Um, I adore her. I want to read everything she's ever fucking written. She's after a you, boss, yeah. For I mean, sure. after you, and, and she brings up something that's really important that that I think um, we should talk about before before we yeah. before I ask you the big question that we're asking everybody, which is like who your queen of the week is. But oh my God, my I know, and I'm like springing it on you. So like, think about it for just a while. But anyway, so there's this notion that you know women feel responsible for the things that that um are and again i'm speaking in the binary as well so um people who identify as female or Mm -hmm. who don't anybody who is like the assaulted party Mm -hmm. feels responsible for that thing having happened to them and and then moves to protect the person who did that to them so in this context it's you know she has been sexually assaulted. She has been, um, harassed. It just, I mean, God, you, you honestly, you fucking name it. And this woman's been through it. And it, it, this notion of like what we do then to how we are wired to protect the people who abuse us. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, I just wanted your thoughts. It's like completely out of the realm of what we've been talking about. No, just this idea that someone chooses to drop charges. Right. After an assault, uh, the fact that the, or, or never press them to begin with. Or never press them to begin with. Never pursue that. Um, the the fucking statute of limitations. Yeah. Which is just, oh my god, like, ugh. But anyway, I'm not even going to get into that because I'm just going to no, get John, to that's a, that's a whole episode. That's a whole episode. That's like a whole series. Yeah. <laughs> like what the fuck. Yeah. But um, the fact that um, we innately as an assaulted party feel this thing of like, I think, I think, I think it's an animalistic response of like, I've been hurt and I don't know how to process this. So what I'm going to do is protect the person that hurt me Yeah, because it was such an intimate experience or intimate in, not in the good connotation of intimate, but the fact that it was so close between two people in, you know, in whatever circumstance, the fact that the poor Poor and amazingly strong woman who was assaulted by fucking Brock Turner. Oh my god. Who who has oh, had to who that. has had to remain anonymous throughout this whole thing to avoid getting death threats yeah. or assaulted further. Who has had to relive the experience and in through that incredibly strong letter talk about what happened to her and what she is now living with. And the fact that every fucking time we see... I'm sorry, I'm going to roll fired up. No, I'm going to say all the fuck words. Swear jar, swear jar, swear Yay! jar. Yay! Thank you for using all it! All of the swear oh jars. Oh my god, we haven't even been using it. Swear jar! Oh, I know, okay. I think I've got like six. Um, probably nine. Um, we just Liz and I just decided that we're going to donate like ten grand. I think like, there you go. Whenever we have it, we'll be like, just here's, take all of our money. Here's obviously we've earned it. Okay. Set up a monthly donation. Yeah, right. So, um, but that the, these poor fucking women... And every, every time one of these assault cases comes out, we talk about him. We're talking about him. We're talking about what he did. What It's like... It was just no, a moment of... What did his dad say? That famous... Like, it was just 18 minutes It was of, 18 minutes that has now ruined his life. I was like, it was 18 minutes that has destroyed this person. Yeah. Like, you don't get to talk about the person who did this bad thing. Yeah. Like, if I slap you in the face and someone's talking about it, we're not going to talk about me. 
We're going to talk about the fact that you got a fucking black eye, right. that you're pissed as hell. You know, like, that's the, those are the things that you talk about. You don't fucking sit here and justify these conversations about, oh, well, his future's been ruined, and oh, he was a star swimmer, and oh, like, look at all, look at what this has done to this poor king on the throne. And I have had it. Yeah. I have had it. And a lot, when I was reading Sex Object... There were a lot of times, not because I hated it, but I hated what was happening to her that I wanted to throw the book across the room. Yeah. There were so many times I remember just like screaming into a pillow or crying or like needing to like have a drink or two or, you know, texting my partner at the time and just saying like, the world is a fucking minefield for us. And it, it... it happens every day. We see it every day in these little microaggressions, from little micro microaggressions to rape and murder. Like, we see it every day. And that is exactly... When I got done reading Sex Object, I was exhausted. Yeah. I was as tired as she felt in those last pages. I was like, she is literally describing the experience of every woman I have ever spoken to. Mm-hmm. You know? And it was just like... Oh my God. And it, and the other thing was like it on the flip side, it made me so grateful for those people with whom I feel safe. Yeah, sure. You know, and with whom I can talk about these things like mm-hmm. we're doing now and, and have people listen and believe and nod and say, yes, yes, let's talk we're, about these things. We're we, all out here. We're all out here. Yeah. We're all out here in the trenches. Mm-hmm. We are all here. Thank you so much for like not only housing me in your apartment, yeah, um, but also for talking about this and sending me this book and the whole shebang. Um, who's your queen of the week? Oh my gosh! I, know, I didn't. I didn't like. I didn't tell you that I was going to ask no, you this either. That's okay. Um, I'm going to have to think. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hang on. It can be anybody you want. It can be it can be anybody I want. It can it be anybody have to be want. like as relevant nope. right now. No, nope. it can be anybody you want. Ugh. You know what? I I'm gonna go ahead and have Carrie Fisher be my queen of the week. Oh yay! Um, because she was such an advocate for mental health, and um, you know she struggled with a lot of issues for a long time, and. She's an icon and a star, and and talk about a feminist. Like, that whole quote of her, like, you know, they're saying that she's not supposed to wear a bra with this white dress. And she was like, why? And he was like, oh, well, my idea is that, you know, in space, you know, your body expands and you don't want to get smothered by your bra. And she says, yes, that's how I want to die. (laughs) She's choked by my bra, covered in moonlight, or whatever the quote is. And it was just this charming thing of, like, Fuck you! No, yeah. I'm gonna wear a bra if I fucking want to, and um, and also just the fact that like, I don't know. She just she's a she created one of the most iconic badass female characters that we all love to mm-hmm. this day. So I think I'm gonna go with Carrie. Yay! Well, I love her. Let's cheers! Cheers! Even though we have nothing left, in we here, have no champagne cheers left. Cheers to the chug 